GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I hope you're well. The weekend is almost here. Now, what's it like to work with people who are terminally ill? Today we spoke to some special professionals from the Health Authority's palliative care team, Dr. Bronwyn James and Tara Montegrifo Coombe. GBC's Halloween film is The Mount. It's directed by Ian Serra and shot locally. We spoke to the cast members Monica Ritchie and Tony Lovell. But first, some exciting news. Princess Anne is to visit Gibraltar in just three weeks. The Princess Royal will be here on the 17th and 18th of November in her capacity as patron of the Gibraltar International Literary Festival. We sought some initial reactions to this royal visit with my colleague Shalina Asamol. You do get the sense that a lot of Gibraltarians are, are fans of the royal family and that was very clear in town this morning. As you mentioned, it's a, the 17th and 18th of November. She'll be here and she'll also be accompanied by her husband, Vice Admiral Sir Timothy Lawrence. And uh, more details will be coming uh, in the next few weeks, as, as you said, three weeks. So uh, we should be hearing more pretty soon. Um, the last time that she came to Gibraltar was uh, 2009 and before that for uh, her centenary celebrations in 2004. Um, but she has had some engagement with The Rock more recently in the UK. Um, she was the guest of honour at a reception held for the Jibanko Gibraltar Literary Festival in uh, London Bridge's Fishmongers Hall in 2016. And um, she praised Gibraltar's rich cultural heritage and its tolerance and understanding. So very aware of some of the key themes here on The Rock. Uh, she also attended a Gibraltar House reception the year after that in 2017. She's a very hard-working royal. Absolutely. And a few people did mention that um, in Main Street today. Uh, very appreciative of, of the work that she does. It's clearly valued uh, when we're talking about the royal family. Um, last June, we saw the Earl and the Countess of Wessex uh, visit the Rock, and uh, there was certainly some fanfare in that case. I don't think I've ever seen Main Street so packed <laughs> out. Um, so from the sounds of it, it might be a, a similar this uh, November. Let's hear what people in town had to say. It's a morale booster, yeah. really, because at the end of the day, it's... The Queen came when she came, I think it was 1954, if I'm, if I'm correct. And that was it. It's, it's that connection, isn't it? it, it we're, we're actually being acknowledged, if that is the right word. Being acknowledged by the royal family. And the feeling I get anyway, personally, is that they don't want to upset the Spaniards. And I don't see that, why that should be a reason for not coming to Jib. Well, I think uh, all the royals are welcome to Gibraltar because uh, if it weren't for the royal family, Gibraltar wouldn't exist as it is to now. We were the Royal Gibraltar Regiment and uh, I am Brit- well, British and I am very happy to be what I am. So she's always welcome, her and all her family. And I hope her brother Charles the King comes as well. Did I, did she, is she? No. Really? That's very good, no? Ooh, I hope she'll go up and down Main Street, no? Well, that's very good, very good news. The Spaniards are going to like it. They're going to love it. I'm a royalist, uh, but I do think that, you know, um, it's very much more about flying the flag for jib and anything with that is, 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 is really good with me. Um, 
I think it's a great way to get them really excited. They they love it. We've, we've done a lot of work on the royal family, obviously with the um, the jubilee and then the king's coronation. So for them to actually see something like a member of the royal family and then being involved in the, the literary festival in school, we we try to encourage them to read and yeah. and that. So I think it's a good way to get them involved. I have a lot of admiration for her because she actually does a lot of work behind the scenes. She's not one of these pushy people. The people of Gibraltar. They should all turn out to show what it is to welcome the great royalties that we have lacking in society today. It's a brilliant idea. Uh, we look forward to seeing her. My mother's always in the front row, you know, cheering them on. We love the royal family. I think it's great that she'll come more often and see more of Gibraltar. Gibraltar is a great place. Initial reactions to the uh, visit confirmed today of Princess Anne coming to Gibraltar in three weeks' time uh, and some um, some recognisable voices in there as well. Absolutely. We do have our usuals that are always keen to talk to us, but I think uh, uh, across the board, uh, uh, a sense of excitement. I think even if you're not a huge fan of the royal family, uh, people did seem to kind of appreciate what it could do for a place like Gibraltar. Um, some awareness as well of how Spain might react to it. Um, they have complained about pretty much every royal visit Gibraltar has had. Um, but you did get the sense from the public today speaking to them that with those relations in mind, in fact, these royal visits are even more important to them at times of A display of, of Britishness. Absolutely. Uh, so Spain did protest the um, the royal visit by the Earl and Countess of Wessex. Of mm -hmm. course, uh, they famously protested uh, the uh, visit by... Queen Elizabeth herself, uh, and uh, and when they protested the visit of the Earl and Countess of Wessex, uh, they said diplomatic sources were quoted as saying that uh, it's an inopportune time as negotiations over a future EU relationship treaty for Gibraltar were still ongoing, and the same applies today. Um, but uh, but the point that I suppose a few of uh, the people we spoke to in town, uh, the point that they made was that, uh, well, it's a good moment, therefore, to remind uh, everybody in that negotiation of Gibraltar's Britishness. Absolutely. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Cancer care was the subject of a conference at the Sunborn Hotel last night. It saw UK and uh, experts based locally come together to share their knowledge. And uh, among those professionals were Dr. Bronwen James and Mrs. Tara Montegrifo-Coombe, uh, who both work with the GHA's palliative care team, and they join me in the studio now. Uh, good afternoon to Dr. James and Mrs. Coombe. What? Um, how did it go? What, what was the sort of the main um, the main messages in the conference? Well, I think it was the first time this conference has ever been held in Gibraltar, and it was um, well, it was really well attended. It was a, um, a basically an opportunity to showcase some of the high quality care available um, to people affected by cancer in Gibraltar, um, really from any uh, any stage of their disease. Um, it was really interesting. There were a, a speaker from from the UK came over. Dr. Banner was looking at, and he highlighted um, some of the kind of groundbreaking stuff, and actually stuff that had only been presented the week before at a conference, international conference. So that was uh, really interesting. Um, and then lots of other speakers. Um, 
Dr. Valentine Pereira gave a, a history of cancer care in, in Gibraltar, mainly from a, a social perspective, which was interesting. A, I, a sort of a different take. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and really looking at how back in, back in the day, and, and I suppose it's some things that we face today, looking at t- taboo and, and how people didn't used to say the word cancer, um, tiene algo malo. Mm. Um, whereas nowadays, I think that has changed quite For dramatically. Because sure, yeah. um, I think we, we heard Dr. Ballesteros uh, in his piece with um, in the TV news last night sort of say that um, it's a phenomenon. It's a, you know nobody wants cancer to be mm-hmm. a part of our lives, but it is yeah. not just in Gibraltar. You know, not as a comment on the incidents at all. Just it, no, no. it is. It's increasingly common across the the Western world. Yeah, and I think with with progress, medical progress, people. Um, and detection and screening programs, more and more people are being diagnosed and diagnosed at an earlier stage. And actually, um, for a lot of people, cancer is becoming a, a, a chronic disease yeah. and it's something that we manage long term. Um, and this is where I, I suppose that the, the, the big team that we, we work with and, and the healthcare professionals in the, in the GHA from all the different specialties um, uh, are, are there to support people at, at any stage. So, the, Tara, there's always um, value, I suppose, in, in, in bringing professionals together, um, focusing minds, sharing best practices uh, and I assumed that there was you know there was some of that last night nowhere you you came away sort of learning a little bit more about what somebody else is doing sharing a little bit of what you're doing yeah sure it gave um healthcare professionals but also the charities and the general public a view of all the new services that have been provided since the inception of the chemotherapy unit which i think opened in 2019 so there was the pharmacist the clinical nurse specialist mm-hmm. um so it was just uh, invaluable really we looked through statistics of patients that have been diagnosed making sure we are seeing them within the two-week wait which is the gold standard in the uk um so it was all very impressive so, so you mentioned the uh, cancer charities. How does the health authority work with them? So, um, so local charities are invaluable to support the GHA generally. I think, for example, a cancer charity like Cancer Relief provide clinical services to um, Gibraltar so they provide a hospice service in the local community and we work collaboratively with them to ensure that patients who want to pass away at home are are able to do so which is a relatively new service as well that came into place in 2019. There are other charities which are also very invaluable to the GHA like the Breast Cancer Support Group. They provide funding for new machinery so they're revamping the mammography suite I Mm -hmm. think and they provide um, funds for clinical nurse specialists to um, for further education. So, so I mean, uh, although you're separate entities, the, the, in particular with the palliative care work that you do with Cancer Relief, for example, yeah. you really work sort of hand in glove, don't you? It, I suppose the whole idea, especially from our, our perspective from the palliative care services, is um, we... we we work and, and we live in, it, it's a small community, but we have lots of people who are able to deliver care at different stages. And the idea is that we can help coordinate that and integrate that care. So really trying to keep patients and the families and their, their caregivers at the centre of what we do Um Everybody is different. Everybody's needs are different. So um, you can't uh, devise a pathway that is going to suit one person and and, and expect it to to work for someone else. So really um, 
allowing us, I suppose, we're, we aim to, to work to integrate that care so, so it's as seamless as possible. Um, and allowing, allowing people, I suppose, some of the, the specialist stuff that we do is not just looking at um, symptom control and, and for people often think, oh, pain and, and physical symptoms, but actually looking around um, the more, more holistically, so the, the psychological aspects of, of disease and how that affects them, the, the economic, the financial aspects of that. And we work collaboratively with, with our, our partners in, in social services, with the, the Cancer Relief and, and other charity sectors to, to look at uh, um, things to support people. And, and their families, I guess. And no? their families, yeah. And got a I key think, role. Exactly, exactly. Um, because if, if someone has a diagnosis um, of, uh, of cancer, it, it's life-changing can be life-changing um, for some people their their life expectancy is going to be changed for some people that will be life-limiting um, and then that's where um, their focus and their their priorities it often changes things and they and and we're there to to help with those conversations to help guide people through looking at future care planning um, and we were talking earlier like the the work that we do really around we call it I suppose it's like difficult conversations, things that are hard to talk about but are so important and so important to get right. I think the, the, the sort of what you alluded to earlier is that it is getting easier to talk about cancer, but it's still a difficult conversation that, you know, you, you don't want to have to have. But yeah, it, if, if, it, if, if you have to have it, then you, there are structures, there are, you know, you, you guys have thought it through, yeah. you know what's needed. We have, I mean, our, our team, we're used to, having difficult conversations we're used to talking about advanced care planning and talking about difficult things um we we undergo training and, and, and education in terms of advanced communication skills and things like that and and we work as a team really to 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 do this and to to support people but yes talking about these things um Things like this, doing public awareness, yeah. attendance at the conference yesterday, sure. I think it's it's kind of breaking down barriers, um, increasing access, because we know that um, the earlier people are referred to palliative care, um, the better the outcomes, really. Yeah, yeah research has shown that um, early referral to palliative care improves not only their quality of life, but actually their survival as well. As well. Um, so it's really, really important that, that patients are, are aware of our service. Sure. Yeah. And, and um, as always, diagnosis as, as, um, as early as possible, yeah. early detection. And yeah, so the screening programme, that um, our colleagues, so we share an office with a, a specialist nursing team, the colorectal team, um, the breast nurses, um, and they're all involved in, in, in the screening, early detection of cancer. And I think um, Lindsay in particular was talking about the bowel screening programme um, and how well, this is universal, how um, low the uptake is because no one really ever wants to do a sample and, put, and bring it back into, sure, yeah. into the lab. But actually, um, the earlier cancer is picked up, the, there is so much more that we can do for that. So I think um, for anybody out there listening who has received the, the, uh, the bowel screening programme, I would implore you to just, just do it, um, <laughs> hand it in, <laughs> because it, it's just worth it. And I think uh, early detection changes the course of the disease and really influences outcomes and and i think this is um for for us as a, as a gha as a, as a healthcare team we're here to promote uh, well-being living as well as possible for as long as possible and improving um, i suppose from a public health perspective yeah. um uh, the care and, and and life expectancy in uh, in gibraltar but notwithstanding, I mean, you, you, you've talked about um, you guys being used to and, and trained for 
difficult conversations, mm-hmm. but we are talking about, um, uh, in many cases, uh, care for people who are terminally ill yeah. and and their families. Uh, so it must be it must be emotionally difficult. No, I mean you, you, you're prepared professionally, but yeah. emotionally, it must be difficult for you. It is difficult, and I think on the odd occasion, you do, like a family does affect you. Yeah. You know. For sure. Um, so I, I suppose with 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 all the work that we do, and especially where we live and the community yeah, that we live in, yeah. um, when we're not anonymous, our patients, we live next door to people that we're looking after, um, and we see people every day in the community. So it is it is hard, it is challenging, but there is a very um, a, yeah life yeah. affirming part yeah. of of the job because actually. The, the difference that you can make and the, the help that you can give. So this is, there is, there's some element of personal satisfaction to the job that we, we do. Yes, it is difficult, but when there is a need there and you are able to be part of that team that deliver the care, then that is, it's so important and, and it has to be done. And you can, you can see the difference that it makes to, to patients and their families. Um, I think as, as a team, um, we we are we look and and it's it's something that's really important to look at is is resilience um and looking after each other so having um we work within mdt with our colleagues in district nursing um with a cancer relief hospice outreach service plus at the allied health professionals so our physios our ot's there are colleagues in social care um and the care agency staff that are going in to deliver hands-on care in in people's homes so we it's some it's a really important thing we look at um we have sort of informal debriefs i suppose that uh, that help joint education sessions um a chat over a cup of tea after a particularly difficult case yeah. is really important and and time out time off from work and and as in you know weekends and and planned uh, holidays that we need to respect um it's important, uh, particularly, I suppose, where we are, because it, it, it yeah. can feel very intense because it's palpable in the community. Um, you know, when someone, some, particularly young people, are, are involved. But um, I would say that although it is hard, it's really important. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is fulfilling and, and life-affirming because actually the focus is really on living as well as possible for as long as possible. And this is where, yeah, looking at, at goals and things that we can do and, and help with people is really important. And, and having those difficult conversations to respect people's wishes yeah. when it comes towards the end as well, I think. Yeah. You know? I mean, having done a little bit of reporting on it in in recent years, I think it takes what is a always what what was always going to be a difficult moment, yeah. and you you make it easier, and you also sort of hold people's hand through it, yeah. and, and and actually um, you know make something that is inevitable beautiful as well because i think you 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 make for a lot of people uh you, you make sort of uh it's so much more easy and, and you know they come to terms with it they they sort of reflect on on their lives and and, and you you know you, you 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 help them find peace before uh before they pass no well that's a lovely way of putting it yeah, <laughs> yeah i suppose that that that's the idea and, and i suppose aim, yeah. that the aim is that um Everybody is able to to die comfortably Peacefully, in peace, yeah. um, with with the in the way that they wish to, yeah. um, 
and, and for everybody that can be different you know and for some people it, it, it's to remain at home for some people yeah. it isn't and and that's okay hmm. I think it's for people to know that they can access support wherever they are I think that's important um, when active medical treatment is is not an option there is always something that can be done and I think for some people they feel abandoned they say there's nothing more there's nothing more for me there is always things that we can do and that we can always we never to, stop to improve quality of exactly life. we never stop caring um, people do not need to be alone um, and the, the, the specialists that we have within our team, we can look and address specific symptoms, so the medical side of things, the social side and so forth, um, and, and, and looking to make things as peaceful and as comfortable as possible. And, and just to sort of, um, I hope it's not too pointed, but, but who are your patients in general terms? Are we talking about people who uh, have a cancer diagnosis first and foremost or exclusively? So it- it's really interesting actually looking at our stats. It's, it's yeah. not just cancer patients. It's about 50% cancer, 50% non-cancer. So the non-cancers are heart failure, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Sorry, I always mix <laughs> that one up. MS. Um, so new, neurodegenerative yeah. diseases. Um, and, and now we're looking, I, I think this the data so this is one of the other things i suppose that we're we're collecting now we've got a, a, an expanded team and we're looking at collecting a more robust set of data so that the 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 data around who who is on our caseload has varied over the over recent years with covid and whatnot um but yeah we are here it, it's not just people with cancer yeah uh, non-malignant diagnoses um People with life-limiting disease, I yeah. suppose. Um, we're here to give advice and support colleagues as well who, who are more than capable of looking after their, their specialty um, patients. And we know that uh, often they want to remain under their, their, their caseload yeah. and, and their, their patients want to remain under their consultant as well. So we're, we're an extra layer of support, yeah. I suppose, for, for anybody who needs us. Okay, and uh, and speaking of support, um, you, you know, you said that um, that, that you know people deserve to to, to not be lonely uh, mm. as they go through this, uh, and we are very fortunate in Gibraltar that a lot of us have uh, family and friends uh, mm-hmm. around us because we are a closely knit community. What role do um, the lives, or, or what role do the uh, individuals uh, who are family and friends play in the lives of people who become terminally ill? It's a really good question. I think it 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 varies depending on their individual. Uh, yeah, I don't think I think that um, some families uh, are, feel able and are able yeah. to commit and 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 physically do hands-on care for some people. Actually, it's not a possibility, and that's okay. Yeah. And, and it gets very difficult. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, our professionals, our our team, go home after their shift has finished. Um, if you are living with someone or, or a family member of someone, you don't go home after your shift. That doesn't stop. So I suppose we we try and we try and look at that. And and care of burnout is 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 a thing. Yeah. It's an important thing, and it's something that we try and look at. And and that's why we work really closely with our um, really helpful social worker team and the, cancer relief provide a respite service yeah. for for carers and their families just to give them the night off so a health yeah. care assistant will come in overnight and look after the patient at least yeah yeah they have a couple of hours to sleep really because yeah, yeah. a lot uh, of the care is done overnight as well overnight um and planned respite during the day as well 
our colleagues in social work are really we we have an amazing access yeah. to packages of care so care provided by local agencies um i've recently done a sabbatical in the uk and the contrast is stark it is, yeah it's it's we are contrast very, between between what the uk aspect um in terms of uh, access to social care right so difficult in the uk yeah very difficult we're really really lucky in gibraltar to have the services we yeah. i can refer to uh, ktr our super social worker in the hospital and and often with a couple of days a package of care has been organized arranged with with language preference yeah, <laughs> yeah. And all sorted and and this is remarkable in terms of facilitating people to to stay at home for longer um, to be cared for in the place that, where they to wish have the, to. all of the equipment going yeah. as well. So we yeah, have yeah. beds that can go in. Occupational therapy do go and look at the house before the patient goes home to make sure that they're comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is a, a big part of our role, I suppose, looking at, at uh, complex discharges from hospital, yeah. but also looking at um, someone we're identifying as changing needs at home. And actually, we probably think you need to be seen by a physiotherapist who will come in and they will often do a joint visit with the OTs. Yeah. And, and this is where they're kind of linking up and joining up of services because there are so many pockets of excellence within the GHA and it's really bringing everybody together, together. keeping the patient at the centre of everything that we do. Um, try not to overwhelm, although it can sometimes <laughs> feel a little bit <laughs> crazy at times, but with it, with the ultimate aim of, of, of keeping people where they want to be cared for um, and looking at everything really holistically. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television... Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Let's uh, set the mood for this next piece, shall we? Within an aged, run-down mansion upon the forested terrain of the Mount, Philomena, a bohemian who refuses to relinquish her life of solitude and luxury, prepares for her favourite night of the year. And I'm joined now by Philomena. Good afternoon, Monica Ritchie. <laughs> Good afternoon, How Jonathan. are you? I am fine. That's a good introduction. You're not always introduced like that, are you? I don't Everywhere think you go. so. <laughs> <laughs> it would be good, though, wouldn't it? Um... Scary music, uh, setting the tone for a horror film uh, which has been produced, directed and, and uh, enacted locally in Gibraltar? Absolutely. Ian Serra was the uh, producer um, and part director with Isaac Barrao um, from Spain, but he loves Gibraltar and he loves coming back here, which is rather nice for us, all of us. Um, we had a cast of about seven, I believe, and uh, lots of young ones. Yeah, I was lots of excited. help, lots of makeup, um, like special effects and yes, and and, and sort of um, whatever it's called. Yeah, like the, the you know the the lots of gory blood and realistic wounds. Oh, it was great fun. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, let's let's bring in Tony, who plays. Um, so Monica plays Philomena, and Tony plays. Um, Tony. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> Tony, he the is... love interest. Yes, definitely the love interest. <laughs> I, I, we we, um, we have uh, obviously a sight of the the film, uh, and uh, and and we've we've uh, watched it, and uh, and there were some love scenes. It's it's you know you need the light and the shade, don't you? 
You, you need the contrast to the, the gory oh. horror. Uh, yes, hope that they won't uh, shock people too much, but yes, we had some fun did, with that as Did well. you have to bring that up? <laughs> well, that, that's, that's what she said, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, expect some blood, expect some disturbing scenes, a little bit of romance. Uh, I, I love the fact that uh, there are... Uh, very experienced actors, decades of of uh, of drama in both of you combining. <laughs> Tony's hitting his head. Uh, uh, combining, uh, uh, you know, joining forces with some of Gibraltar's, I think, most promising young actors as well. Uh, you mentioned a few: Matthew Navas, Molly Sawyer, Amy Wink, Sienna May Lee. And Chloe Lodo. Yes, your very own, your very own Chloe Lodo. Radio Gibraltar's <laughs> star. Um, so tell us a little bit about what, what you know what it was like filming it. How long did it take? What was the you know the atmosphere among you guys? It's 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 harder than it seems because what may come across as two minutes on screen, you know, we may have taken three or four hours to film. So it is it is quite it's quite grueling. But um, as you see it come together, it it's it's it makes it all worthwhile. Um, and horror, how do you go about approaching uh, horror? Is it, uh, you know, do you need to approach it differently to uh, another genre? It's its own sort of thing, isn't it? I think like any acting, you have to believe it for the moment. And uh, although we had great fun, once we were in the moment, um, it had to be real. And uh, um, there were sometimes tears... There was a lot of laughter. There was great emotion. And uh, hopefully the scary part will have been successful. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what did you set out to achieve with the film? I mean, once you sat down and spoke to Ian about it, um, you know... Uh, it, 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 what sort of tone were you were you going for? I mean, are, are you going for? I, I haven't watched it. I flicked through it. Right. Were you going for sort of you know the light and shade, some funny moments, but then some you know moments that you hope will actually be scary? Well, I'll, I'll speak. I'm I'm I think my role in the film is of light comic relief. I actually got away with not being pierced, uh, slashed stabbed um so so yes but um yeah so i found my role was i think in the film to give it a light touch because some of the scenes are extremely gory and uh, monica can dark give well, you can I mean, give you some of the visuals are are, are very dark i mean I, I i haven't experienced the whole film which you know with the music and all will make it even more so but just looking at some of the visuals and feeling some of that music it, it has a, a you know it's quite well, captivating that, that's all due to the fact that we had a, an excellent team behind the cameraman was superb the sound man was he surpassed himself with all the ideas of um, sound and music behind. And uh, Jesus Herrera was the director of photography. I don't know who the sound person was. Uh, they were both Jesus, if I remember. They were rightly. two Jesuses. Oh, okay. And they were. They were. We were gobsmacked as to how professional and how how much expertise they have. Um, and, and is it is a film different to um, a play, for example, which a lot of people will yes. have seen you in? There are short clips. So you have to try to get into character, do your role, um, say your lines as if it is a continuing piece. And I found it far more difficult 
than because of all being of the interruptions stage. and yes. having to wait for the camera to get set absolutely, up. Absolutely, and... absolutely. Um, it's a it's a very different way of working. And this was the first film that I have ever made since I since an adult. I did a few films at school, but I didn't have speaking parts, and uh, therefore. This is very, very different. Uh, and um, look, looking at the cast list, I, I, I know immediately that it's um, it's been done extremely professionally, uh, as you would expect from Ian Serra. But you know, it's a long list of people involved with all of the you know director of photography, aerial shots by by drone air, uh, script written by Luis Galvente, a lot of different people contributing and and, and bringing their sort of area of. Uh, you know, contributing their nugget of expertise. And hopefully that's what makes the film the professional entity that it will turn out to be. It is apparently um, being distributed in South America, it is being distributed in the Far East, and I believe the next one is Africa. So... Ian, Ian has exciting contacts. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean it, it's. Uh, we've we've spoken to him before. He hasn't been able to be here today, but he Ian Serra has a uh, considerable contract uh, contacts in, in in both of those yeah. um, geographies. What's interesting it, it's it's now the the three films, in fact, that he's completed here. Um, Filmed. No, we haven't filmed. seen the, the mount, three. Yet, the mount no? two, two and the mount and sixty minutes. Right. And, and, and there could be a third mount, or uh, no? no. I'll, I'll tell you about that okay. in a minute. But they're now at a stage where uh, certain entities have an option to buy, and apparently Canal Plus is interested in in the first three. The next big project coming up. That's really exciting. Yeah, the next big project up, coming up is Pieces Part Two. Now, Pieces was a horror movie that really launched Ian's career in in the film world and it's had uh it has at the moment um big backing it's going to be a big a big film six weeks filming 50 oh, wow. 50 back crew i'm not sure how many actors and actresses so, so that's considerably bigger than the mount far bigger it's six weeks filming and a huge back backs uh you know um support makeup staff, support huh? stuff yeah so it's a it's a it's a big production and uh yeah, he's he's trying to get the the team together. That's so and, exciting and uh, very well known Hollywood actors, hopefully. That's amazing. But I can't say any more. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> you've, you've wet the appetite on you. Wet the appetite. I'm definitely interested in finding out more. Um, uh, and we don't have a date for that production. No, no you need to speak to. You've got to get him Mr. here. Mr. I know he's slippery. <laughs> but try and pin him down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, let's uh, wrap up uh, by sort of you know um pointing people to the film tomorrow night uh, on gbc television uh, the mount will be aired at 10 p.m after the sun has gone down um <laughs> ready for halloween yeah wh why do you think it'll get people into uh, the halloween spirit and 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 who is it for and who is it not for monica it's certainly not for the very young um it is Something that should be directed, I think, at the 20s and 30s somethings. And uh, it's an ideal time for your takeaway evening. 
and a How good movie. Lots of ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of ketchup will be flying around on screen and off. No? Um, all right, well, I, I can't wait to watch it. Um, having seen little snippets, I think it's going to be really good. Uh, that's The Mount on GBC Television uh, tomorrow night, tomorrow Saturday at 10pm, getting you into the, the Halloween mood. Just to tell you, it's a typical B slasher movie. Yeah. you have been warned thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer we're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2 getting behind the headlines and you can catch up here whenever you like until next time have a good one GBC Podcasts Local Voices On Demand